morning sports fans betters and cappers and welcome to the daily competitive hedge podcast i'm your host of the show kenneth cotterell and this show is all about sports and the world of betting we talk about results from yesterday's games and wagers before diving into today's betting plays now our episode today is brought to you by our sponsor bet 99 bet 99 is a canadian sportsbook and casino that offers in-play betting player props and many more great products There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on. MLB is one of them. We may not touch on too much MLB today, given how well we've done in August, but Bet99 does work smoothly on both desktop and mobile as well, as their mobile app can be downloaded from the homepage of the website. Depositing and withdrawing funds is hassle-free, with a number of well-known methods available to use, so you know your money is safe and secure Go to bet99.com today to make an account. Use promo code SHOOTERS to get started. And please gamble responsibly. You must be 19 plus years of age and available to persons in Ontario only. Now, we're going to start off today's show by uh, sending out a prayer to rookie running back Brian Robinson Jr. from the Commanders, who was shot multiple times yesterday in an apparent carjacking attempt. He does appear to be stable, which is great to hear and we're wishing him the very best and a speedy recovery. Now let's talk about weekend bets. Uh, we did okay. We went 1-0 on MLB on Friday, having Minnesota Moneyline versus Houston. 2-0 on CFL as we had Saskatchewan plus four who won outright, and the Argos who uh, covered the minus two looked dire at halftime, and then they absolutely exploded in the second half to cover easily. Then EPL-wise, we are 4-3-2. and two. Overall, pretty happy with the EPL weekend. Um, unfortunately, Arsenal, they added a second goal late in that game to win it outright. So we had the draw at plus 466, which looked pretty good for a little while there. As well as we had, uh, we had Newcastle that drew even in the 90th minute. So could have been a great weekend of EPL. Nonetheless, we did see some profit this weekend. Unfortunately, we didn't see profit on the PGA side of things, which is where we're going to start today talking about the FedEx Cup finishing. Scotty Scheffler, six-shot lead heading into the final round. He unfortunately shoots a plus three yesterday. And as much as you could say Rory won the FedEx Cup, I think it was more so Scotty Scheffler lost the FedEx Cup. We had him as a winner bet at plus 215 to start the event. He finished second place, so no cash there. Same with Patrick Cantley. He was T7. He was in the hunt, just didn't get it done. We did have Rory a part of our card. Thought he was just going to finish top five at plus 137, but he goes on to win it. Tony Finau just misses out on top five. He was ninth place. Top 10, we had Cameron Young, who missed out at 19th. And Corey Connors, he was out of it after the first day. And so he finished 26th for the event. Now, at the conclusion, we see that Rory goes on. He wins 18 or 19 million or whatever it was. But we also saw that six more golfers announced that they're heading to live golf. And I think a big reason why a lot of these guys hung in as long as they did was they wanted to make some money before they make the move over to live. So we're going to see a lot of President's Cup guys heading over, especially. You got Cameron Young, you got Joaquin Neiman, and you've got Mito Pereira, who are all supposed to be a part of that event in a few weeks' time. Doesn't look like they're going to be, given the fact that they're going to be uh, teeing it up for live in a couple weeks' time here. Uh, and so Cameron Tringale also going, Mark Leishman going, Harold Varner going. So these fields are starting to round out on the live side of things. Um, we did see Cameron Young says that he's staying. He was the rookie darling of the year, as did Hideki Matsuyama. Sounded like he was going to get the bag too if he left, but he decided to stay on the PGA Tour side of things. So Things are shaping up for a big live golf event in a couple weeks' time. We're going to definitely have a betting slate for that event. As these fields start to get a lot better, we're going to see some of these lesser golfers 
kind of phase out of this tour. Now, MLB-wise, let's talk other game results from yesterday. We had the Dodgers 8-1 to over Miami. Urias had 7Ks and three home runs, one from Betts, one from Thompson, and one from Anderson as the Dodgers blew them out. Shocker, Dodgers covered another run line. Washington 3-2 to over Cincy. Uh, the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde that is Patty Corbin, well, he was Dr. Jekyll yesterday, six innings, five Ks. Vargas hit a home run in the fifth, which won it for them. He had Tampa Bay, who won 12-4 to over Boston. Corey Kluber went six innings, and Tampa scored three in the sixth and four in the eighth to blow that one wide open. He had Pittsburgh 5 to nothing over Cincinnati. Ronzi Contreras, he had seven Ks in five innings. And then he had the Angels 8-3 to over Toronto. The Angels hit four home runs yesterday, one from Otani, one from Trout, and a couple more. Then he had Colorado one to nothing over the Mets. German Marquez went seven innings with five Ks, and it was a Brian Servin sack fly that won it one to nothing. As we said, was the final there. Arizona three to two over the White Sox. Nate McArthur doubled in the top of the ninth to win the game for the Diamondbacks. Kansas City in the blowout of the day they won fifteen to seven over San Diego. Heasley went seven Ks yesterday while Michael Taylor and Perez hit home runs for the Royals. Then you had the Astros three to one over Baltimore. Rin Sanic, he gets the win in just one inning pitched, but Bergman hit a home run in the bottom of the eighth to secure the win for Houston. Then you had the Brewers nine to seven over Chicago. Lauer went five innings pitched, four Ks, and they got home runs from Wong and Yelich. Then you had the Twins eight to three over San Fran. Minnesota scored five in the bottom of the fifth to win it outright. Then you had Detroit 9-8 over Texas. Calhoun hit a two-run home run in the bottom of the eighth to clinch it for uh, Detroit. No, that's not right. Anyways, Seattle 4-0 over Cleveland. Robbie Ray 7Ks over seven innings. Dylan Mood and Ty Francis with home runs there. You had Oakland with the upset win 4-1 over the Yankees. And then to cap it off, St. Louis 6-3 to three over Atlanta. Wainwright went 6-2 and two thirds with 4Ks. Edmund and O'Neill both hit home runs in the bottom of the 8th for the come-from-behind victory. Now, WNBA playoffs, we saw my Vegas Aces, unfortunately, lose Game 1 to Seattle. Brianna Stewart was great, 24 points, 6 rebounds. And Sue Bird delivered a ton of assists and no turnovers. The old veteran there who's in her final season, she really delivered. On the Aces side, Wilson, their MVP, possibly the MVP of the league, played quite poor. Uh, she had just eight points on three of ten shooting, and so we'll see if they can bounce back in game two. And then Connecticut, 68-63, to low-scoring game there. But despite the fact that Chicago lost, I mean, Candace Parker had one of the best games of all time in the playoffs. 19 points, 18 rebounds, six blocks, five assists, and four steals. She was everywhere, unfortunately didn't have the rest of the team with her, and so they fall in that game. Now, let's talk today's betting slate. Uh, these are the games that we're going to look at today. Uh, a bit of a lighter slate, as it typically is on a Monday, but there's still a few baseball plays out there. So you got the Dodgers. They've got Gonsolin going, who's 16-1, and taking on the Marlins, who have Lopez going. I mean, if you're going to bet the Dodgers' run line, probably fairly safe at minus 125. It's not a part of our betting card, but I would take the over in this game. Over seven is minus 115. Once again, not a part of our official betting card, but it is a play that we like early on today. Then you got the Cardinals. They're minus 210 versus the Reds, who have Mikolas going on the mound versus Anderson. Uh, I tend to lean St. Louis here. Obviously, they're minus 210, so they are heavy favorites, but staying away from this game overall. The over-under is nine and a half. I also like the over in that game. Then you got the Cubs and Blue Jays, who have Assad going versus Barrios. Nine is the line there, and Toronto's minus 240. There's a lot of these juiced lines today, so that's why we're staying away. Don't really love taking a run line on Toronto when you've got Barrios going. He's got over a 5 ERA, so once again, we're going to stay away. I like the over nine there, though. Then you got Bello going against Bundy as the Red Sox take on the Twins. Twins are minus 125 at home. This is one of the tighter matchups. I like the under in this game, but staying away from Red Sox and Twins. I don't like betting on my own team if I don't have to. Then you got Pittsburgh taking on Milwaukee. Corbin Burns is definitely going today. We're still waiting to see where the Pirates pitching is at, but I like anytime Burns is on the mound, you're going to roll with the Brewers. Plus, it's the Pirates, so 
we'll see what the run line looks like there later on today. Then you got the Yankees. They're minus 175 versus the Angels. Montas taking on Suarez. I like Montas in this pitching matchup, but once again, a bit of a juice line. I'm not prepared to go to the run line either because if you're going run line, you're minus 105. Taking on an Angels team, that's coming off those four home runs yesterday. So they definitely have the power to keep up with the Yankees, whose bats have been ice cold. Then you got the Phillies. They're minus 190 versus the Diamondbacks. Ranger Suarez versus Madison Bumgarner. I just don't love this one. These are two very inconsistent pitchers. I could definitely see the Diamondbacks winning this outright at home. Also, I could see both these pitchers pitching well, so I don't love the over-under nine there. So we're just going to stay away altogether from this game. Now, the MLB play that we do like will be Padres and Giants, and that's where we're going to get into our hedge morning plays because we got three plays for you, the first of which is this MLB play. I do like the Giants today. They have Carlos Rodon on the mound. He's 12-6 and on the year. He's got under a three ERA. He's taken on Mike Clevenger, who's four and five. 3.59 3.59 ERA. Now, Rodon's been pitching really well lately. He's had back-to-back double-digit K starts. He had 10 and 11 in his last two, but he's also done that in four of his last six. So Clevenger hasn't gone five Ks or more in his last four outings. So while he may be getting some outs, if the bats are there, then I definitely think the Giants can win this one outright. The Giants have lost four straight heading into this one. Now they're at home taking on A San Diego team that hasn't been great over the last month, month and a half. So I think it's a great bounce back spot. I'm going to roll with the Giants today. And so give me Giants money line at minus 135. Then you got Valencia taking on Atletico Madrid. We're diving into some Spanish soccer today. And I like the both teams to score at plus 105. Now, if Atletico is at home in this game, definitely wouldn't be going that route. I would see 2-0, 3-0 type finish for them. But I think Valencia at home, they're going to figure out a way to get a goal in this game. Atletico are the far better team when you're plus 105 on the road in soccer then definitely are heavy favorites here. So I think Valencia figures out a way to score. We see 1-1, 2-1 type finish. And so I'm going both teams to score at plus 105. And then to cap it off, also in Spain, we're going Athletic Club first goal versus Cadiz FC at minus 132 now. Athletic through two games have only scored one goal, and Alex Berenger, he's the one who scored it. But Mallorca and Valencia are the two teams that they played. They're much better sides than this Cadiz side. I'm expecting an early chance to be taken here by Athletic Club, and so not sure if they're going to get the full game result. It is tough to say, but I do like them to score the first goal today at minus 132. So those are our three official plays for today. As we said, Monday, it is a bit of a lighter slate today. We're not going to start diving in and taking four or five baseball plays when you've been ice cold on the baseball side. But coming off our one result on Friday, we think we're going to get one here today with San Fran and then a couple soccer plays as well. So thank you, everyone who tuned into our live show this morning. Stay tuned if you're listening to the podcast version of the show as we do a full Tennessee Titans preview with friend of the show, Walker Bailey. Welcome back to the Competitive Hedge Podcast. It is August 29th, which means our 29th NFL team preview is upon us. Now, yesterday's episode was all about the Philadelphia Eagles. We talked about Jalen Hurts. We talked about uh, the improvements that they made as far as A.J. Brown, some of their bets as well, and then some fantasy football stuff. But today, we're heading back to the AFC We're talking about the final team of the AFC South. We've previewed the Texans. We've previewed the Jags. We've previewed the Colts, but we have not previewed the Tennessee Titans. Now, I'm joined today by a special guest. He's one half of the Off the Ball Network betting account. He's pretty much actually the admin of it at this point, but he loves talking EPL. But today we're talking some American football, specifically about his team, the Titans. That's Walker Bailey. Walker, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. You know, we're back to the we're back to the point where the NFL is around the corner. Uh, I, you know, I say football and now it like means two different things to me. And so I have to like straighten out which one I'm talking about, but uh, yeah, like, I mean, we get the college game back this week and then Titans are back along with the rest of the NFL and I guess two weeks time now. Yeah. Um, so we'll, uh, yeah, they open with the giants. That's yay. yeah there's definitely going to be a lot of smack talk around that we actually just finished drafting a couple hours ago our off the ball network league 
Uh, I did not draft any Tennessee Titans. Did you happen to get any Titans from your team? Uh, no, I picked fifth and had the opportunity to take Henry and didn't. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know if you <laughs> caught that, but I passed on Henry at five after four other players had gone and took Justin Jefferson. <laughs> but also, well, like, that was the theme today. Like, I'm pretty sure we're running back two right now is Jamal Williams, but I have nine receivers that would start for other teams. So, <laughs> Well, we're going to get right into things, talking about the Titan season from last year. Uh, probably quite a, a bit of a discussion around Derrick Henry and how he's going to look this year. And then we're also going to talk about some bets surrounding the Titans and then some fantasy football as well. So to start out, we're going to recap last year, the Titans, they went 12 and five last year, had a great season. Um, unfortunately they did fall to the Cincinnati Bengals in the divisional round, very close game though, with the Bengals, uh, who ended up going on to the Super Bowl. Uh, the Titans did have the 17th ranked offense and the 12th ranked defense last year. So near middle of the road in, in both of those regards, but they had a really good year. So what did you make of last year? Obviously, Henry missed some time due to injury, but the team was able to pick up wins without him. And a lot of people love to point out, oh, well, this team's just Derrick Henry and everyone else. But he played they played well without him. So what did you make of the Titans year and then heading into this year? You know, I think that the way it ended is going to leave a lot a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, especially as it relates to the quarterback room. Um, I know that Tannehill threw the interceptions in the playoff game, and but I really don't think we give him enough credit for finding a way to lead that offense and keep that team on track when A.J. Brown missed like six games, Derrick Henry missed six games, new coordinator again, so new position coach. Um they had a lot of moving pieces there and AJ's injury came pretty early in the year. And honestly, Henry's did too. And Tannehill was able to keep that team on track and find a way to win 12 games. So I think he deserves a ton of, I think he deserves a lot more credit than he's getting. I'm not going to say a ton because when it comes down to it, I mean, in the playoff game, he made decisions that were a big part of them losing that game. Now he's not the primary thing that I blame for them losing that game. Like I blame the play calling and hot take. I blame the fact that Derrick Henry was on the field on the last drive. He was clearly not a hundred percent. And with three minutes left in the game and I guess 75 ish yards to go, you know, they ran the ball twice and got Tannehill put in like third and 12, a couple times and made him put him in incredibly difficult positions to succeed and then asked him to save him. And I don't really think that's how you can win with this type of, with that type of quarterback. You have to, you have to be more balanced, especially on early downs and allow him to, you know, allow him to have some opportunities when maybe the defense doesn't expect him to make plays. And then he's going to be able to, you know, have more success because when a defense sits back in coverage on third and 12, that's hard for any NFL quarterback, let alone, you know, someone who we kind of perceive as middle of the road. So there's a, there was a lot that went wrong at the end of last year, which sucks because it was largely a really positive season. Uh, you know, it was a team that got the one seed, got rest, were able to host a playoff game against a team that they no doubt should have beat. I think Lord, I think they lost the turnover battle either three to one or four to one. They, I mean, there's just no question. I mean, dropped a dropped a pick six going in. Um, just a ton of stuff that went wrong. Uh, had like eleven sacks or nine sacks uh, against Cincinnati. Just they should have won the game, but you know, you move on and get ready for the next one and hope that you can run it back. Yeah, the game was definitely there for the taking. A lot was made of the sacks, especially with the Joe Burrow situation, that they can't protect them, but yet they were still able to win the game, and a lot of it probably had to do with the mental errors and, and just mistakes made by the Titans more than anything else. Because as you said, you get the one seed, you get the rest, and they weren't the only one seed to lose in the playoffs last year, as Green Bay did out in the NFC as well. So it's an unfortunate way for the season to end, and so... When they headed into the offseason, then they decided to make some moves. And, you know, one of those was not bringing back Julio Jones, who now finds a new home in Tampa Bay, but he wasn't great last year anyways. They decided to trade A.J. Brown because it didn't look like they wanted to pay him the the four years, $100 million that Philadelphia decided to give him. And I don't really blame him given the injury history there, but 
Uh, they did go out in the first round and instead drafted Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. Second round, they got Roger McCreary, the cornerback out of Auburn's. And then they brought in veteran Robert Woods, who's, you know, coming off a major injury, but he's been a good receiver in the NFL for a lot of years with the Rams. And so now he gets a fresh start in Tennessee after being in LA for so long. So what did you make of the offseason for the Titans? For me, they kind of stayed pat with where they were last year. Um, I wouldn't say that they necessarily improved anywhere. I think they just kind of stayed where they were at. But what do you make of the Titans offseason moves? It actually felt like a gear towards a little bit of a soft. I hate to, people react to the word rebuild, but it felt a little bit of a soft reboot where they didn't want to give AJ $25 million a year. They wanted to get someone in on a rookie contract whose profile uh, is similar to AJ's. Now, whether or not he develops to be as good as AJ, I don't know. I think that they understand that Ryan Tannehill probably has one more season in a Titans uniform, maybe two. And they more than likely wanted to get the next guy. Whether Now, whether or not they trust Malik Willis enough to where that's going to be him next year or if that's going to be some other rookie that they decide to draft, we don't know because we're not going to see him develop because we're not going to see him in game action again outside of maybe like a, you know, a goal line set where his dual threat abilities are used. Like we're not going to see him in substantial action again until next August when he runs out for preseason week one. So I think that, I think it's a little bit of a gear towards a soft reboot where they're going to try to, after this season, maybe get rid of some of their larger contracts and then replace them with younger players and maybe sign guys that hit the market this off season along with some other stuff to where maybe in like two years again, then it'll be like, okay, well now we go like, now we go again. Like we have a younger, we have a young core again and we're ready to roll. And I think that they're, I think the reason they're looking at that is football is such a game of you just like, you just need to get in and have some things bounce your way. Cause you know that those playoff games are going to be so tight. And a lot of those things come down to singular plays and so I think they're just trying to prolong the window as much as they can. And unfortunately, you know, paying AJ $25 million a year probably didn't fit that timeline because it adds such another, another really large contract. So, you know, it hurts in the moment, but I like Burks caught a touchdown the other night from Malik Willis. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think they're on the right path in terms of the soft reboot. It's just going to be a hard watch this year. Um, I think, I think they actually took a little bit of a step back compared to the stand path that you have them at. Yeah. It, it might even be a bit generous to say that they stayed pat, because if I'm saying that, then I'm assuming that they go 12 and five again, which yeah. I don't think that the expectations are there that, that this is a 12 win team and Vegas doesn't think so either. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but so what are the expectations for the Titans? And as you said, this might be them trying to prolong it another year, try and run it back one more time. Is this still a team that's competing for a division title? Is it a playoff team? Where do you see this going for the Titans this year? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's such a weird thing because, you know, they are they are competing for a division title because there are plenty of worlds where this goes right and they win it. And there's I mean, there's worlds where they go 12 and 5 again and they're in the exact same spot as last year just because, you know, I mean, the NFL is one of the more unpredictable animals and in all of sports but i for me i look at it as the most likely outcome is that they finish second in the division and are picking somewhere between 15 and 19 come nfl draft season so they go that would put them around nine eight eight and nine which i think is right right in line with what vegas sees um i think you're gonna see i actually think you're gonna see a defense that's substantially better um, but I think you're going to, I think we're looking at an offense that could potentially be anemic. Like, yeah, I, I mean, think I the think... offense could struggle at times. Like that you point to like Tannehill, if they were sold on him moving forward, then they wouldn't have went out and drafted Willis. So I think that they goes to show. They would have mm-hmm. just backed him. Like they would have backed him and gotten like, yeah. okay, we're going to trade AJ because we don't want to give him $25 million a year. But here, like Allen Robinson's an unrestricted free agent. Like, 
well, let's go get another guy, like, and then we'll trade for Woods, and then we'll draft a receiver at 25. Because, I mean, who's say Burks wasn't going to be there at 25? And if not, receiver was such a deep class. Like, they could have very easily traded AJ and rebuilt that thing for the right now, for the 2022. They could have done that, and they didn't. So, yeah. Yeah. That's I, I think, kind of where I think I'm at with it as well. I, yeah. I just wish that they if if you're not sold on Tannehill, then that's one thing. But like they're also not putting him in a position to succeed necessarily this year either. Like it's kind of a field situation too in Chicago where like, okay, yeah, like maybe they don't love fields. Like they're gonna give him another year, it seems, but like they didn't go out and get him a lot of help either. Like I like Robert Woods. I think he's still gonna be solid this year. And obviously they drafted Burks, but I just don't know what the direction of this team is right now. I think it is what you said earlier, where this is just they're trying to run it back one more time and they're hoping that they can prolong maybe another playoff run. You get into the playoffs and then anything can happen from there. Now, from a betting perspective, you got the Colts minus 127 to win the division. The Titans are plus 149. I'm kind of in the same boat as you, where I do think that they're second in the division, which if you are looking to go that route, you can get the Titans to finish second in the division at plus 121, which is kind of the route that I'm going. Because I do like I do like the Colts roster a lot more now that it's Matt Ryan instead of Carson Wentz. I don't think he's going to lead them to a Super Bowl or anything crazy, but I do think that he's a significant upgrade from what they had last year. So what do you make a, of them finishing second? And then we can talk some some over-under on the win total as well. So I think I think they likely finish second, and I think you're right about Matt Ryan. You know, I also think we lose a lot of respect for Matt Ryan and just kind of assume there's not a left left in the tank, not a lot left in the tank because he was in Atlanta with such a bad team, and because his age is getting up there. But I mean, I think we saw at moments that there's still there's still good football left there, even yeah. if it's only a year, which I don't know that that's necessarily decided. I think the better question with Matt Ryan is is it two years or is it one year? I think you're guaranteed to get one good year, which would be this year. So I do think that it's, I do think it's them. Um, I do think that it's them and that the Titans will finish second. You know, I quietly think the Jags got substantially better. Um, I don't know that they're going to be, I actually think they're the third best team in the division. And I think it's not particularly close. Like I think it's a team that could be within like one win of, of, one win at the Titans at the end of the year. Like I think they could be like seven and nine and the Titans or seven and 10 and the Titans could be eight and nine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think with all of that, all of that factored in that kind of, I'm like, and obviously I've said the number eight, I've said the record eight and nine a lot. I'm leaning, I'm going, I'm going to go under. Um, I just think you have to have so many things go right and you have to win so many big games because you're playing a first place schedule. Like, you know, I think, they play Cincinnati again. They play Buffalo on the road week two. Um, I think that they've got Kansas City. They've got Dallas. Like, they've got all of these big games. And, like, it's just going to be tough to find double-digit wins when you're having to play teams like that every other week. Like, they don't really just have any gimmies. Like, when you go through the schedule, I mean, you can get to places. I mean, hell, I mean, you play Vegas, and you're just kind of like, I mean, like, maybe they should at home, but maybe not. Yeah. You know, they go – you know, you open with New York minus six, and like I'll go ahead and preview week one. Like I'm on the Giants plus six. So like I'm not writing that in as a win. Mm-hmm. And then you go to Buffalo on a Monday night and come home for Vegas or for Vegas. Like and then to Indianapolis to Washington. Like like you could start. They're not going to start over, but that's five yeah. games, and they could easily be one and four or five games in. And then you have a super early buy, which is never a good thing. And then you have, and then you've got Indianapolis again, and then at Houston, but then at Kansas City versus Denver, at Green Bay on a on a short week, and then Cincinnati and on the road for Philly all in a row. Yeah, like like they almost have to start really well because I'm in the same boat as you that I like the under nine and a half, and Vegas does too because it's minus one forty one, and the over yeah. is plus one fifteen, but. Like it's that that down the stretch schedule, like just of non-division games, the last seven that they play, Kansas City, Denver, Green Bay, Cincy, Philly, Chargers, Dallas. Like yeah. 
they would be fortunate to probably go three and four over that stretch. Like very fortunate. Yeah. And then like, at that point, you have to beat Houston twice. You'd have to beat the Jags twice. You need that Giants win, that Washington you win. Need like, to get a, you need to, and you need to get a Colts win. Like you need, so you need that Raiders win. Like you need some help. Like, I mean, so the way I do win totals, I'll walk you through it a little bit. The way I do win totals is I put, I go, I go and put W's, I put L's, and then I put toss ups based on what I expect the spread to be. So the Giants, just because they're minus six and they're like minus 260 on the money line, regardless of what I think, that has to go in the win category because of the spread in the money line. It just has yeah. to. So yeah. when the Giants game, they'll be favored enough to where you put the Raiders game in the win, I think. And then after that, I'm not putting another sure win in there until at Houston. Um versus Jacksonville versus Houston at Jacksonville. So I've got six wins and then games that I'm putting down for sure as losses. I've got Buffalo. I'm going to go ahead and put at Indy down as a loss at KC home for Denver at Green Bay. I'm not putting the Bengals game as well. And out of principle, I'm not putting the Eagles game as a loss <laughs> um, at LA and home for Dallas. So that's six and seven in my book. So yeah. then you got another four games where if you split with your eight four, with four is tosses, and that would mean you'd have to go four and zero to hit the over. Yeah. No, to me, so. to me, it was one of the easier over unders that I saw. But I know why Vegas didn't want to go to over under eight and a half because. Well, but let me say this: I understand why they did what they did because. It's very Patriots-esque. They don't have the Super yeah. Bowls, but it's very Patriots-esque in the sense that this is a super well-run and well-coached football team that yeah. is going to play the big teams really, really well because they're well-coached, they're physical, they're going to play hard, and they're going to they're going to beat some of those – like some of those games where I just wrote it down as a loss from a win total perspective, they're going to win a few of those games. Yeah. And they're going to lose some that I have in the wins category because that's just how the Titans are. And that's how the NFL goes, let's yeah. be honest. And like, so, yeah, and so that's why Vegas, I think, wants to kind of cover cover their rear ends a little bit. Because if you set it at eight and a half, which is probably a more fair and realistic win total for this team, then it's just kind of like, all right, but all that they have to do to hit that over is they just really need their coaches to steal a game or steal two yeah. games. They needed to put it in a place where they had to account for coaching as well. And like, I think if you went top seven NFL coaches, you probably don't get super far in before you get to Mike Vrabel. Mm -hmm. I mean, they went 12 and five with their two best offensive players missing a combined 12 games last year, some of which were over a shared time, a shared stretch. He does. He deserves a ton of credit. So I understand why it's nine and a half. But with all of that being said, I still went. On, I'm still going under. Yeah, I think the issue too is that, as you said, they are super well coached. Where I think ten isn't out of the question, and I don't think a lot of people outside of Titans fans are gonna take the over there. I would lean them finishing nine and eight. I'm a little bit more optimistic on them. Um, to me, they. They lose three more games than they should have, or three more games than they did last year. Um, they maybe just don't pick up wins like when they beat Buffalo. Like, like right. that's just not this year. I think Buffalo gets their revenge, and there's a couple more in there that they probably pick up as well. I think that game has the potential to be really ugly yeah. because of the way that they lost it last year, where Josh Allen got stuffed or slipped on the quarterback sneak. Um, yeah. That game has the potential because, and it's I think it's circled game. on their calendar. 100%. Yeah, and it's a, it's a rivalry game. It's a home primetime game. I like it. It could get really bad. Like it could get, it could get ugly because yeah. the Titans aren't going to stop them. Like I mean, it, there's a point where your offense is so good that no matter how good the opposing defense is, you're going to find a way to score points. Like the Pats' defense was awesome last year. Well, and we saw how that worked against the Bills in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. where the Bills just scored every single drive. Um, so, uh, yeah, that has potential to get really, really ugly. But, yeah, no, I mean, I'm with you. We're aligned on the under. There's no question. 
Yeah. I, I it, As I said, it was one of the easier runs for me. Um, I think if I'm talking value-wise here, I would take them to finish second at plus 121, but that would be kind of the direction I go with a future bet here. Now, from a fantasy perspective, there's a few options here, a couple that unless you're in deeper drafts uh, or maybe like 14-team leagues or whatever it is or two QB leagues, then you're probably not having to draft some of these guys because they're going to be there on waivers. Like Tannehill, he was quarterback 14 in fantasy last year, but they've got him behind Kenny Pickett and Baker. They've got him ahead of Zach Wilson and, and Daniel Jones. And I said on previous shows, like I'm not drafting any of these guys really in fantasy. Like Baker might be the only one out of that entire crew. That's a bit later on that you'd think about drafting, but I don't think I'm taking Tannehill in many leagues. What do you think? I'd have Tannehill ahead of Baker, and then I can't remember who the other one is, but Pickett him too. Yeah, I, I Pickett. would have both of them ahead of Pickett, to be fair. Like I yeah, don't think that a guy have... that you've never seen should be yeah. ahead of him. See, and the thing with Tannehill is it's kind of underrated is how much the Titans are going to use his legs off of boots and off of read, off of read options, which kind of is a factor there. Um, he gets a lot of like – I almost call him like a rushing touchdown merchant because they know if they get down on the goal line and they get in the shotgun and they have Derrick Henry in the backfield, if they like run that read option, they're crashing and trying to stop Henry. And he can like, I mean, he can literally roll. He can literally roll into the end zone if he wants to. And so like he gets a lot of those types of points. And then, so I would have him a little bit. I like, I think Tannehill is serviceable. Like I think if you're in a 12 to 14 team league, and you decide that, like, oh, I'm going to take a second quarterback and I'm going to take Ryan Tannehill, like, I don't think you're in bad hands. Like, I think he's going to be serviceable week in and week out. There's going to be a couple of those weeks that you would start Tannehill. Like, when he's going up against the Giants, you're like, yeah, sign me up. Sign me up for the Texans. Sign me up for the Jags. So there is games on the schedule that you would. Well, yeah, and then, like, even teams like last year, like, Philadelphia was rough defensively. Like, so when you go up there, it's like, all right, like, I can at least be like, I can at least kind of be like, all right, he's playing a bad secondary if you get if the bye week falls right. And so, like, he's going to be like, he'll be fine. I think he's serviceable. I actually think an interesting futures bet, if you want to look at it, is Traylon Burks to win offensive rookie of the year. It's hard. It's because, so the thing with rookie of the year is your record is basically irrelevant to winning that award. And he's going to get something that a lot of other rookies are not going to be afforded, which is, the ability to come in and immediately claim wide receiver one status. And so I think that with the targets being there early and often, his ability to move in the slot, his ability to rush the football if they want to do that, I think with all of those things being prominent and capable of being done, like I think that that's an interesting interesting one to look at because he's I know he's not the favorite. I think he's going to be like eight and a half to one, maybe 10 to one, somewhere in there. So I think that's worth looking at. Um, it is a quarterback award, but this is a weak quarterback class. So, like, yeah, like Kenny Pickett would make some sense, but I mean, I mean, I think the Steelers are going to be bad. So, if I, I'm in the same boat where I went a different route for the offensive rookie, where I think Christian Watson just being with Rodgers has that potential, but I, like, I will say I this mean, much about Burks: Burks I like, to lead rookie receivers in like receiving yards, he's six to one. Yeah, so I, I don't hate that either because the guys ahead of him, like Drake London, I don't trust with Mariota and Alave. I'm just well, and he's already and he's already hurt. Yeah, like he's already had an ankle, so who knows? But yeah, so like I think a play like that on Burks is interesting for sure. Um, just because I mean he is really the only rookie receiver that I think has a legitimate thousand floor or thousand yard ceiling right away. So I think that's worth looking at and with a weak quarterback class. Um, you know, Corral's out hurt. Pickett's going to start. Um, Willis is obviously not going to start. So a lot of these guys that we talked about from a quarterback perspective are not going to play. And so, I mean, I like I would be looking elsewhere for rookie of the year. You mentioned Christian Watson. I actually like Romeo Dubes there. I think his touchdown okay. numbers get pretty gaudy. And I think you're going to get a lot better odds because of where he was drafted. Um but yeah, no, like, I mean, I think if you're trying to play someone towards the top and you want someone with some more guaranteed level of target share, then I think Traylon Burks is your guy. Um, 
fantasy wise, you still got Derrick Henry as a top three running back. I don't think that there's really much that needs to be said on Henry because let's face it, if you're in the top three or four in your draft, like draft Derrick Henry. I know that he's had the injury issue last year, but this is still like one of the best players in football. So I I don't think that there's any reason for you not to draft Derrick Henry. Everyone always points to the injury concerns, but the injury concerns are there with a lot of guys. And and I'm really not that worried. Like if I have Derrick Henry sitting there at three, then I'm definitely thinking about it. So what do you think of Henry from a fantasy perspective? Because they're going to run him a ton. Yeah. And honestly, like you mentioned injury concerns. I mean, he's 28 years old now as a running back, which is, kind of terrifying and so i have some injury concerns for sure um and then i just have concerns because this year if you thought they weren't game planning for him before um then they definitely are now given that there's no aj brown mm-hmm. so i'll like i'm pretty much i'm kind of in the boat where like i'm not saying don't take henry i'm just saying that you probably need to be aware of the concerns that are going to be surrounding the titans offense before you do I don't think it's an automatic like 1,800 yards like it's been in past seasons where he's going to get a bunch of touchdowns and you know he's going to get all the goal line carries. Um, You know, I think the presence of Malik Willis is going to change the Titans' goal line offense. Like they've already talked about that some. And so I think he's going to have packages where his rushing ability is going to become a factor for Henry. You know, he could lose even if it's only three to four touchdowns. That's a lot of fantasy points. Um, So – I like I would be cautious of that. I'd be cautious of the injury, especially since it was a foot injury and he didn't look healthy last year. Um, I'm, like I'm sure he'll be 100 percent to start the season. He hasn't played a single preseason rep, so I know that like they're trying to keep some of the tread on the tires. But I would be aware of all of that stuff before I drafted Derrick Henry, just because of the fact that you know there are a lot of red flags, and so I like I stayed away from him today. We talked about that at the beginning of the show. I had the chance to take Derrick Henry at five as a Titans fan who loves having players from his team on his fantasy team. And I passed on Henry at five. So the, the only thing that I think when it comes to those top end guys, like when I think about the reason why Jonathan Taylor's going one is because he hasn't had that injury yet. And he's so young and he's coming off a good year, but talking about Christian McCaffrey coming off injuries, you've got Dalvin cook, even a little bit later on in the first, who's had injury issues. You've got Austin Eckler who's had injury issues as well. So while I agree that I think there's cause for concern, I think there is for a lot of these guys that are up in that portion of the draft. It's why so many people are like, well, you have to draft JT one. And then you're seeing a lot of reaching on cup and Jefferson because some of these guys have injury concerns. But I think if Derrick Henry plays a full schedule, then you're definitely not disappointed. Like the, the red flags are there, but I do. Hey, if you're drafting there, are you going to pass on him because you're going to go and draft like Najee? Something I've heard down here is just that, like, one of the plus and one of the things in the plus column for Henry was the durability. And so, like, I don't know if that's like a national thing or if that's just something I've heard a few times down here. So I'm just going ahead and like throwing it out there because for listeners, if that's something in your head, like, you know, it is an isolated injury, but when you factor in the load that Henry has carried carried for the Titans over the course of his career and his age, it could be a sign of things to come. That's fair, for sure. Like, there's always risk associated there. There's red flags there. I can't draft him if you like. If you want to play it safer and go for a guy a little bit later on that hasn't had those injury concerns yet, then go for it. But yeah, so I I com- or I was digging yesterday because I was kind of getting ready for our draft today. And the last really good season, I'm going to use a different running back for perspective, but the last really good season that Adrian Peterson has was a, when he was 30 years old. And he's a lot smaller, less physical specimen, specimen-like compared to Henry, which, I mean, isn't everybody. But so, you know, we are just getting to that point where, as sad as it is, one of the NFL's greatest running backs may be, you know, just reaching the end. Yeah. And so I, yeah, that's whether he is another year or not, I think is what it boils down to. Because if, if this is another year where he gets hurt, then you're going to see next year, Derrick Henry is going to tumble down draft boards. Well, and it's not even that. I told, I've told everybody that I think in the offseason, something that's going to make a ton of sense to me that won't make sense to anyone else is when after the season they cut him. Yeah. Which which I don't think that's out of the question. 
at all. Yeah, like will, if if you're looking to move on and you're looking to go Willis, no Tannehill, like you're looking to just kind of clean house a bit, then. I mean, yeah, it would make sense. I mean, think about, I mean, they pro- they have probably 40 million in cap space soaked up in Henry and Tannehill. And that's, and if you're moving on. And it's not moving, getting you anywhere right If now. you're moving on from Tannehill, then I don't really understand what your case would be for keeping 29-year-old Derek Henry. You get what I'm saying? Like, because you have this kid from Michigan that's sitting behind him that they really, really like. Like, I mean, gave gave a couple bucks DBs the business finishing runs. Like, has a lot of Derrick Henry. I hate putting, like, not comp, but just saying that because people yeah. really compare. Then they're going to say, yeah. Similar, yeah. He has a similar playing style in the sense that he's going to be physical. And we even saw that with Deontay Foreman last year where even in the postseason when teams were, you know, really showing up, Deontay Foreman had a ton of success in the Titans offense running the football. So I think it's kind of proven that almost anybody can do it. Almost anybody that plays running back can do it. So if you're going to soft reboot after this year, even more and kind of clear out cap and get ready for your next go, then I think he's going to be on the cut list. I think he definitely could be on that list if he misses time this year. Like if he, oh, if he, he plays if a he healthy time at all, oh, I think I'll even go further. I think if he misses time at all, it's almost like they'll make the decision in season, not like and do it, but they'll yeah. be like, hey, listen. But, but they'll be sitting down and saying, this is Derek's last year here. They'll be like, yeah, this is the second consecutive year that he's gotten that he's gotten hurt. He's 29 years old, and we saved like I don't know what the penalty saving or the cap savings is, but I'm sure it's like seven and a half million dollars if they cut him. Yeah, with a with a running back in the back in behind him that costs like five hundred thousand dollars <laughs> and then from a receiving perspective i'm not going to touch too much on austin hooper from a tight end perspective because i mean he's going in that gerald everett hayden hurst range um, yeah. but wide receiver wise you got Traylon burks he's going eighth or ninth round and then you got robert woods who's going almost a full round behind him um i feel comfortable drafting either guy this year um Tannehill, as we said earlier, he's pretty steady. Like you would feel okay maybe drafting him as your second QB. You shouldn't be drafting him as your first, obviously, but second QB, Tannehill for sure. But Burks and Woods are both solid options here for my fantasy team. Like I think I've drafted Woods in a league and I've definitely drafted Burks somewhere and and I'm fine with both. So who's the wide receiver for you this year that you kind of maybe like a little bit more out of those two? I think that if I wanted guaranteed success from the Titans offense, then I would take Robert Woods because I think he's probably going to get, I think he's going to be a consistent like five for 50, five for 60 type guy, which puts him south of a thousand yards for the year, which is completely realistic. And, um, you know, it's just, if you understand what you're getting from Robert Woods in his current form, you're going to be getting like wide receiver three production and in a league like ours where, you're playing two receivers and like three flexes, something like that in a PPR league could be invaluable where you could go and, you know, take woods and, you know, the weeks where he has five for 50 and a touchdown are just bonuses. And the, the weeks where he has nine points, you're like, okay, that's exactly what I needed from Robert Woods. Like there's very rare, there's going to be very rare occasions where you're let down by Robert Woods. Just if you understand what you're, what to expect from him. You know, that's I think- kind of been Robert Wood's career as well, fantasy wise. Like you draft him knowing that you probably feel pretty comfortable about ten points in PPR. Yeah, and it's whether he gets the touchdown that kind of puts him over the top. But you well, feel then, good about him being consistent. And I just think Burks could be a little bit more of a wild ride. Like we saw that with AJ Brown his rookie year, yeah. where he may have like you know six for a hundred and two touchdowns, and then come the next week and have like four for fifteen. And you're just like, what the hell? So I think that Burks could be more of a wild ride where if you're like, for me, if I'm looking through the Titans offense, I'm just looking for steady levels of production. I do think that if you are in a really deep league, talking 16 to 20, I think a guy worth holding a roster spot. um, I think two, well, I think there's two guys that may be worth roster spots. I would look at Kyle Phillips as a rookie, um, especially in deeper uh, or dynasty leagues. Because I think he's going to win the tight. I think he's already won the Titan slot job day one uh, as a rookie fifth round pick. Really good with the routes. Going to be an underneath guy. Think like Cole Beasley type deal. 
Um, I think that that could hold some value in deeper leagues, especially deeper PPR leagues. Um, and then Nick Westbrook is another one that I think will get a lot of targets. Him and Tannehill really vibe. So I think he'll get a bunch of targets. So I think that both those guys in like deeper, deeper leagues will be worth looking at. For sure. Yeah. I like Woods a lot. I'm big fan as well of Burks. I think you'd get either guy. You're not going to be disappointed. One guy may be a bit more up and down and one's more of a steady Eddie, but Burks can win you a couple weeks by having those big AJ Brown type games. And that's definitely possible with this Titans team. So Walker, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Really appreciate it. Um, as a Titans fan, what are your expectations for the year? And then tell the folks at home where they can find your work. Uh, so I'll go, I'll go, I'll go eight and nine. Um, that's what I've said from pretty much the beginning. It's what I've said consistently. So we're going to stick with it now. We'll go eight and nine. Um, you know, I really just want to see growth from the young guys, uh, especially some of the guys up front. And then I want to see some of these young defensive players. Like, you know, I'm really excited to watch Caleb Farley take over on a corner spot. You know, I think that they potentially have the best secondary in all of football if he's good. You know, you already have an all pro level safety in Bayard. You have one of the most underrated safeties in football in Hooker who's consistently rated by, you know, outlets like PFF as one of the five to 10 best safeties in football. Um, now, like that may be a little bit aggressive for me, but you get the point. And then Christian Fulton uh, really kind of developed into cornerback one where you can put him out there by himself and trust him against pretty much anybody. Uh, and Farley has that type of, you know, that type of build where he could potentially be that too. And then you have two slot corners in McCreary and Molden that are competing for that job both incredibly steady and like competent. Um, so I think that we're looking at like, I think we're potentially looking at a secondary that's one of the best in football. So I'm hoping that that develops to become that because it would be young. It would be fairly young and have a future. Uh, even if Bayard probably likely gets cut after next season. Um, so I do th like, I'm looking forward to that. Some of the defensive line guys that are back. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, Looking forward to a lot of things uh, as far as the season goes, but I do think that it's an eight and nine kind of mediocre going into a soft reboot type of year. I think some national media will try to tell you that they're going to tear it down and completely rebuild and go back to like 2015 where they were two and 14, but I don't think we're going there. So eight and nine um soft reboot and then you can find me on well i'd say you could find me on twitter at walker bailey eight but that's not true right now so uh hopefully you can find me back there sometime this week um and then just all the good folks at offtheballnetwork.com make sure that you're checking out everything they do uh football season's right around the corner you know i think we're doing a college football show uh tomorrow night and then we'll be back with the epl preview on the betting side tomorrow night as well and then, you know, college football is back and we're starting Friday. We're starting Friday Night Lights for, from a college football standpoint next Friday night. I'll be on that with uh, Vice President Mo Murphy and others. And then see you Sunday. I'll be back the week after that on Saturdays, I think around 11 o'clock with, uh, with Coach back in the hosting chair. And uh, the entire network going to kind of be around and prepping you for NFL stuff. So. Uh, just so much good stuff going on over there. So make sure to go click, uh, you know, subscribe to your favorite shows over there. Make sure that you uh, go and support the content producers that work so hard. For sure. Definitely appreciate you coming on, man. I'm in that eight and nine, nine and eight range for them as well. I think they'll finish second in the division. That's where I'm going with the future bet there. Um, but appreciate you coming on the show and everyone who listens every single day. Drop a five-star review on Apple and Spotify and also tune in tomorrow night to our EPL show uh, that we do talking about week four of the EPL season and, and previewing a few more games. And we'll uh, see you guys tomorrow for the Daily Competitive Edge podcast.